0: without the ads.
1: Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f***? are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Hi everyone, welcome back to the 442 podcast.
3: And today, Liam... We've got a belter and we've got an announcement. Yeah. We've got a sponsorship. wow we've tied up with Karis Green for a year. As you can see, with your logo top, very big. Uh, I forgot on my top, so it's a great start of the sponsorship, but big up to Graham and the boys here, so yeah. we're hopefully gonna do some, uh, a lot of the golf here at Karis Green, which is fantastic. It's more than fantastic, Liam, much I find, well... The course itself, what I
2: set up, the facilities are magic, the bar, the restaurant, the food,
3: There isn't a bad thing I could say about it. Well, we might as well ask our guest. He's played 500 Football League games. He's played for Bury, Southampton, Bolton, Blackpool, Wigan, Carlisle and Morecambe. We've got David Lee in the house. Hello, lads. Just to
4: reiterate, the golf, what a fantastic course. It's been an absolute pleasure to play it today.
3: I'm going to say this. If you've not watched the video, it's going to be out shortly or it's out now. We needed a playoff hole, and then we needed a sudden death playoff hole. And it it was mint, wasn't it? We all played great, which is brilliant, isn't it? It was
4: nip and tuck all the way, wasn't it? I was uh, uh, bringing up the rear for the last couple of
3: holes and then uh, it all turned on the 18th, didn't it? Oh, I did it. Somebody were awesome on the 18th, which will be you, but we'll let people watch that video. I'm going to say something along. Enjoyed it. I enjoyed today. Totally enjoyed it. Yeah. Really good. would love to do the full 18 again. So everything was right. Everything about golf was right today, wasn't it? Got some good stories, but hopefully we're going to get a few more. Where are you starting off, John? Well, I'm going to start off at Borry. Did Yeah. How did it all come about at Borry, your first club? Well,
4: I was, uh, I was at Blackburn Rovers as a schoolboy, and then when I got to the age of 16, got told that I wasn't good enough, wasn't big enough, wasn't strong enough, and uh, for me, that was the end of my career. I thought I uh, had the summer down in Cornwall with my mate working on the beaches at Porthmere Beach and Porthgridden Beach... And then I got a phone call from my mum to say there was a certain Martin Dobson who'd rung home and asked me, would I like to come up to Bury for a trial? In those days, we had no mobile phones. So um, I was straight back onto the phone to my mum to say, I'm not really bothered about it. Uh, It's a long way to come for a trial. Um, I'm enjoying myself in Cornwall with my mate working. And then I told my mate and he said, I think you should have a go for it. So... I met the 11-hour coach journey back up the, to the northwest of England, went to Bury, um, met Martin Dobson and Frank Casper and Ray Pointer, three Burnley legends and an England legend in Martin, and then they took us down to lower gig to play in a trial game, 11v11, uh, 11 11, muddy pitch, played six minutes and then got brought off. And I thought, what a waste of time that was, coming all the way up from the south of England to play six minutes in the game. Watched the rest of the uh, 3.30 minutes that they played. Went back to Gig Lane, got showered, got changed, just about to walk out. And uh, I think it was Frank Casper said, um, or the manager would like to just say, thank you for coming up. Went into the office. Martin Dobson introduced himself and said, thanks for coming up. We'd like to offer you an apprenticeship. And I said to him, Well, I don't know if you got the right person because I only played six minutes. And he went, No, we'd like you to be an apprentice. And, and that's how my football career started.
3: Isn't it mad, John? Back in the day, how many people don't make it because of the size? I bet that doesn't get brought up anymore now in Academies.
2: Well, I think from David's point of view, I, I think any time I've watched David play, not just as a teammate, but first thing that stands out is pace. Yeah, you know what I mean pace stands out more than anything you know what I mean such a threat down that right wing getting in behind people and then secondly the deliveries in the box mm-hmm. and for a striker early crosses are what he wants and that's what the man provided so no Martin Dobson obviously saw something in them six minutes that's enough for me get him off yeah. and get him tied up probably yeah. in case anybody else was watching
4: exactly maybe so yeah yeah but uh, like I said when people look at players you're never they full end product there's always frailties to to every player but you've got to make take advantage and work on your strengths and and as john said i was able to run and i was able to cross the ball so you've got two assets there that you've got to take advantage of
2: i think people forget at times david i think managers and coaches forget that their job is to make people better so if you see something in somebody okay yeah you're not the finished article Mm -hmm. But you see enough in somebody and think, I can work with that and I can also
4: make them better on that or make them better on that. That's your job yeah. as a coach yeah, I tot- is to make people better. Totally agree with you, John. And I think, unfortunately, the British culture was always be pessimistic and always look on the negative side. If you was in America, it would all be the positives. And I think now, in the modern day, we do start to look at people's positives rather than the negatives and, and improve them. You always work on your negatives but from a positive perspective, a manager just keep drilling it into those players and, and make them believe that they're good enough to do it, and you get the opportunity.
2: Thankfully, Martin Dobbs had a good eye yeah. for a player.
4: Yeah. So 1986. Do you do you remember your debut? I rem I remember my debut for Berry, but not in the league. It was a cup game up at Carlisle. Right. I played in that game. <laughs> um, we won one nil in a. It was, like, it was a a lower league cup competition that I played in. Uh, but I don't remember my league debut for Barry. For what reason? I think it's too many, too many games under the bridge now. Um But if you remind me of it, I'll probably try and recollect it, John. Right.
2: No, but do you not think, though, that's something... That does happen. I mean, me, I'm probably the same as you. Sometimes when you're so excited and keyed up for something, it just goes by in a blur. Yeah. And you don't remember much about it.
4: No. I just remember playing for the uh, Carlisle game... I remember going in on the Tuesday morning to training and uh, Martin Dobson saying, oh, we've got a game tonight. You're going to be involved in the squad. You're not training. You're going to travel with us. Uh, he didn't tell me I was playing. So I literally said, be on the coach for two o'clock. Uh, so yeah, I was on the coach, traveled all the way up to up to uh, Carlisle, went in the dressing room, which was a whole new experience for me around professional players and I was still an apprentice, a second-year apprentice, and then he named the team, and he, he said, David Lee, number seven. I thought, oh, I'm playing. Didn't even have time to to worry about it, and I think from a management perspective, it was fantastic because they say they throw you in at the deep end. I was thrown in at the deep end. No time to worry about it. Went out, did the preparation, the warm-up, and in then days, you warmed yourself up. You didn't go as a group, so I had a routine that I wanted to do, 15, 20-minute warm-up back in, team talk from the manager, he sat next to me, told me I was a good player and to believe in myself and go and play. And we we won the game 1-0 against Carlisle and uh, that's why I remember that. And the next few games, obviously a bit of a blur because I was on the crest of a wave.
2: I suppose if you ever had a choice of how things were going to pan out, that was ideal. Because like you said, you didn't have time to worry or to be nervous about the game were thrown in there reacted well good management really
4: it was brilliant management but before that John I remember going on a couple of away trips as an apprentice and they drew with Watford in the FA Cup at Gig Lane and they had a replay down at Watford when John Barnes was playing and I remember Wilf McGuinness saying oh you're coming with me today son you're going to do the kit so I was literally taken with the squad but I just thought I was going down as an apprentice to do all the boots and make sure everything was right for the team and the players But looking back in hindsight, I think they were getting me to a situation to be around that first-team environment. A couple of weeks later, bang, I was in the team. So initially, I was just going down and not really thinking about it. I was excited to be involved in it, but maybe that was a a bit part that they've done for me to get me involved in first-team football. So they've just planted the seed with you, really. But
2: also, I mean, that was a done thing at the time, wasn't it? Because you always took somebody who you thought was young and up and coming yes. and was going to get a chance yeah. just maybe a little bit further down yes. the line, like yeah. you said, to get them accustomed to the dressing room, yeah. sort the boys out on the bus with tea and coffee mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff yeah. and be a bit of a dog's body. Well, that's it, really? exactly what it was, and yeah. It, a, it would keep you grounded, yeah. but B, like you said, more importantly, get you ready for the, the big debut.
4: It was a good learning school for me because you've got experienced players there, taking the mickey out of okay, you on yeah. the bus and... Um, and yeah, you're naive, you just get on with it, and I enjoyed it. If I'd have thought about it, I'd have probably been nervous and not enjoyed it, but the whole experience and the way it was like a whirlwind situation for me, it set me up. Um, and again, as you go along in your career, you have little building blocks, and those little building blocks stood me in good stance for uh,
3: for later life. Did your family have any inkling you were making a debut? Like the club got all of your family and let them know? Not at all, no. No, no. Um, it was only
4: when I'd got home on that evening after the Carlisle game. In fact, I stopped at um, a relative's house in Whitefield because the coach or the bus didn't get back to gig until so probably the early hours of the morning. I was still, I think it was 16, nearly 17, couldn't drive. There was no trains, no buses. So I stayed over and it was only when I got home the following day that I told my mum that I'd, I'd, I'd played in the first team. So it's a little bit different in the times. I think nowadays people will be pre- be prepped for it, but no, it was just thrown in literally at the deep end and uh, thankfully I was able to swim.
3: Who was the experienced pros then who looked after you?
4: Well, at the time you had uh, Martin Dobson was a manager but was still a player. Uh, we had the likes of Craig Madden and Wayne Entwistle who were the strikers for the club, and... Um, players called Joey Jacobs. I think Kenny Clements was there at the time. Uh, the goalkeeper was uh, like called David Brown. So even though one or two of them weren't household names, but they'd been around the block and they played plenty of uh, professional games. So yeah, I was I was learning from good people. And then later on, whilst I was at Bury, there were some even better players like Sammy McElroy, Leighton James, Noel Brotherston, Trevor Ross, Alan Taylor. So people who had distinguished careers, I was in and amongst them and learning my trade.
3: Was it easy to learn, them? Of?
4: No, it wasn't. It wasn't easy because it was a hard school. You made a mistake, they came down on you like a ton of bricks.
3: Proper hard, okay. oh,
4: proper hard school, yeah. Which, looking back, great way to learn because you were thrown into that environment. Martin Dobson always kept an eye on things because players will get frustrated with you because at <laughs> sixteen and seventeen, you're. Years of age, making loads of mistakes, a bad pass, bad touch, bad control, but players let you know about it, so you you learn from it.
2: I suppose a big thing was there's a bit financially back then because you've been the young player, and if you make a mistake and it somehow costs the game and all that, the boys were relying on their bonus money. Yeah so totally agree that was the reaction you'd get you knew about it yeah
4: if you were making mistakes in training then they knew you're going to be involved in the first team they don't want you making those mistakes in a game because like you say it's their livelihoods and it's only when you become a little bit more experienced as we're talking now you look back and think well yeah that's people's livelihoods and bonuses and and contracts that you're playing with so you have to be bang on
2: when when you think back although wages were probably a bit better than the normal working man, it was the bonus money that allowed people to buy a nicer car or a house or yeah. whatever, yeah. and it meant a lot to people, it did.
4: It did, you depended, as yeah. people with families, mortgages and kids and that, they depended on those yeah. bonuses, two or three out of a month to, uh, like you say, enable them to, to live a lifestyle and a, and a good life and provide for the families, so... Yeah, it was a
3: uh, hard school, but enjoyable. That's why
2: some of these older boys were grumpy, you know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you had to go up and face the wife.
3: Yeah. Let them know. Who were your managers then? Your time at Bury?
4: Martin Dobson was my first manager. And then Martin did really well and he got us into the top three or four. And there were one or two clubs interested in him. And there was something politically happened at the club. I don't know what for what reason, but Martin left the club. And as soon as Martin left, We had Sam Ellis came in as a manager. Uh, Sam, another hard school manager. Um, You learn quickly with him. And then Sam left for Man City, went with Peter Reid as his assistant. And then Mick Walsh took over. And then Mick Walsh, I was there for a couple of seasons with Mick Walsh. And then they uh, sold me to Southampton.
3: You must have been flying then, playing a lot in the league. Anybody come in for you?
4: I'll tell you a true story now, which I only found this out maybe five months ago. I was coming back from Manchester. I'd taken my <coughs> missus out for a meal and the phone rang in the car, answered it. And it was Martin Dobson. Did say did say, Dobbo here. I want to pick your brains. I'm writing a book. Hiya Dobbo, great to hear from you. How can I help you? I just want to say one thing before we start. He said, I was really selfish when you was a player at Bury. He said, you were doing great for me. And a manager came in for me and offered me £250,000 for you, but I wouldn't let you go because I wanted you in my team because I thought we were going to go places and get promotion. I said, that's fine, Dobbo. I said, that happens. I said, by the way, who is it? He went, it was Brian Clough at Nottingham Forest. I went, Dobbo, I can't believe you've told me that. He said, you've just asked me. And I said, well, I'm gutted, but he said, I didn't think it was right for you. I said, come on, Dobbo, be honest. He said, no, I was being selfish. I wanted you at the football club, but he made a couple of official approaches for me of 250,000, but wouldn't let me go. Wow.
2: An opportunity missed in the many ways, Deads, because yeah. obviously, yeah, you look think back now, but, would you change? It? Would you have changed anything?
4: I wouldn't change anything, no, because I was 17 years of age, just getting into the first team. I didn't know any different. All I wanted to do was play football. I didn't know the history of Nottingham Forest. If I'm being honest, I didn't really know much about Brian Clough because I just enjoyed playing football, being with my mates, enjoying it, never even looking too far ahead of how my career was going to pan out. Um if I'd have signed for Nottingham Forest, would I have gone on to play 50 odd league games and cup games and, and had the success that we had? Who knows? Um, so it's one of those things that, that happened. I'll still love Martin Dobson because he was great for me. <laughs> but did it deflate me a little bit? No, but... You always think what could have been, but I'm a positive person and I went on to have a decent career anyway. And I still
3: speak to Martin now, so it's great.
2: You had a great career, not just a good career. Great career.
3: Definitely your last season at Bury, 1991 season, 53 games you played, scoring 16. And that's when Southampton come in for you for £350,000. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot of money then, wasn't it? It was a lot of money, <laughs> yeah. but talk of Matthew Letizia's replacement because there were talk of him going to so, uh, Tottenham for over 7 Tottenham, million or yeah, Chelsea. Yeah I
4: think Tot- Tottenham and Chelsea apparently both put bids in for him and again being young and naive I didn't really know about Matthew Letizia um, so I did my homework on it, realised what a legend he was at Southampton and people loved him. And I went down all naive thinking, yeah, I'm going to go and try and play in the first team and, and enjoy it. So I love a challenge. I was reluctant to leave Bury because I, I enjoyed it. I love the supporters. I love the people where, uh, who were there, um, from the ground staff to the tea ladies. It was a, a fantastic family club and I really enjoyed it. And I didn't know any different. So, yeah, I, I drove down to Southampton on a Sunday afternoon met with Ian Branford on the Sunday evening, uh, went to the club on the Monday morning and, and signed for Southampton. And that's when I trained on the Tuesday morning, met all the players, saw Matthew Letizzi in training and I thought, wow, I'm going to have to be a good player to try and replace him. But Ian Branfoot put me in the team and I thought I did okay. Uh created a few opportunities for players. They, they scored goals from my crosses and my play and I thought I was doing all right. And... I really, really enjoyed it. And you know what? Matthew Letizia was brilliant. Never any different with me. Uh, And he was superb. And then things didn't go well for the football club and Ian Bramford was under a little bit of pressure and the fans were uh, shouting for Letizia to go back in the team and being on the right side of a a team of a 4-4-2, it was me reluctantly who had to come out of the team to put Matthew back in. And when they put him back in, he seems to light the place up. And, and I found it a struggle then to get back in the team. So um, it was short-lived, but I enjoyed it and played with some fantastic players down there.
3: You did. I'm going to name some. Tim Flowers, Jason Dodd, Francis Benali, Jeff O'Connor, Barry Orne, Terry Urlock, Matthew Littisier, Alan Shearer, Ian Dowie. Going to start with Alan Shearer. Was he that good then?
4: Yes, he was a young, a young lad when I was at Southampton. Uh, in in training, in games, he just had the knack of scoring goals wherever he was on the pitch, giving the ball and he would have an opportunity to either hit the target or or score a goal. His link play was good. So yeah, he was good. I wouldn't say he was outstanding or better than anybody else in the team at the time but he just had that knack of scoring goals. So, yeah. He
1: He was was,
4: brave, wasn't he? He was very brave, brave. yeah. And he was strong, even though he was only short, he was stocky and he was strong and, Nothing seemed to faze him, and he had that confidence about him. Now, whether that come from within or the club had given him that confidence, but as John will tell you, when you're a goal scorer and you're scoring goals, your, your confidence gains. And he ended up signing for Blackburn Rovers, I think, for about three point two five or three yeah, and a half yeah. million. The season that I was there,
3: yeah, I think he scored a hat trick. Kenny them. yeah, he yeah. did. So that team you were saying, I'm going to bring you back to one player, Terry Hurlock. <laughs> Was he as hard as everyone said? <laughs> well, I was scared to death of him. <laughs> I really was. But I'd
4: seen television clips of him playing for Rangers and playing for Millwall, and he was just... The only way to describe him was, like, the Tasmanian devil. And <laughs> even to look at him, and he had his long, like, permed hair, and, and he was short and stocky and strong and a deep voice, and I thought, my God, and even in training, I was scared of him. And I remember... In training, at the end of the training sessions or possession or whatever we were doing, if I was on his team, I remember giving him the ball and he went, don't give me the ball, like that. I said, I'm sorry, Terry. He went, don't give me the ball. I'm here to kick people, like that. <laughs> I thought, right, don't give Terry the ball. Yeah. Um, but he was just that type of character. But get him off the pitch, he was fantastic. Was he? Yeah, what a lovely man. And, and another story I have, Terry... And I was always aware of him because he was a daunting figure. We were in a hotel one night and the manager took us away for three or four days. I think it was before the Zenith day to cup final. And um, bit to get all the lads together, he took us to this hotel and we just sat in the foyer. A few of us, I think. I can't remember. I think um, Ian Darry was there. I was there. Um, a couple of the other lads. And I remember him looking at me and he went, Dizzy, you're my wallpaper. I'm thinking, oh, my God, Terry's talking to me. What do I say? He went, Didzie, you're my wallpaper all right, Terry, what do you mean? I'm your wallpaper. He said, son, you make me feel at home. (laughs) Oh, thank God for that. And he came and put his arm around me. He says, I really like you. I thought, oh, I'm on his side anyway. But he was such, he was a genuinely nice man. He really was. But you put him on the football pitch and cross that line. He was an animal. But good to have in your
2: team. Were the rest of the players intimidated by him in the dressing room?
4: Yeah, I think they were. I think because he had that character and charisma about him, he walked into a dressing room and everybody looked up because he had no airs and graces. He said it as it was, but people respected him, but people did fear him. Because in training, he would kick his own teammates because he was that type of character. He trained the he as the way he played, which is a great trait to have. Would he be chinning any of the boys in training? I'd seen him get hold of... Um, there was a, a centre-half... Uh, I, I can't remember his name... But this is, we got in, we're in the changing room because we used to ch- uh, change at the Dell and then go to the road, see the training ground. And I remember being in the, uh, at the Dell, in the changing room, just sat there waiting to go training. And uh, he came walking in and he went straight over to the centre half <coughs> and he grappled in me, got him in a headlock and he started like hitting him really hard. And uh, Steve Woods it was, a centre half. Played <laughs> when at Millwall. yeah. Yeah. yeah, he had hold of him it and he's batting him like that and he's got in him and he's kicking him and everything. Everybody's thinking, get a bit close like that. And then he let go and he walked off. He went, make sure you give me that effing fiver <laughs> all over a fiver that Woodsy had lent. He'd lent Woodsy and he hadn't got it back. So, but in training he would see he would kick people, yeah. but professionally kick them. he'd go through them. Um, but as he said, he, he played the way he wanted to. He trained the way he wanted to play. But a great character to have in your mm. squad. And, and one you wanted in your team. Not against you. Not against yeah. you, yeah. Who did you room with? When I was at Southampton, it was Glenn Cockrell. He's another hard nut, isn't he?
2: Good player yeah, he was. He was a good
4: did player. Did he have a long go as well? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He was a midfield player, could run all day. Um, and Glenn was a club captain and team captain, so when I went down there, he he, um, he took me under his wing a little bit and showed me the ropes. And uh, Yeah, a nice man, very nice man, and, and a good footballer as well. But um, he was an ideal roommate.
3: No, call me naive then. So you go to Southampton from Bury. Do you buy a house? Do you rent a house? Have you got a missus at that time? What? Yeah, I was. Because uh, miss- you're young, aren't you?
4: Yeah, yeah. I, um, Southampton were great with me because obviously, literally, from playing on the Saturday for Bury, getting in the car and driving down on the Sunday, and then signing on the Monday, your life changes. I had a house up in the northwest of England. Um, automatically put that up for sale because obviously I'd signed a two year contract at Southampton, so um, I came down and I did buy a house in Southampton in a place called Horton Heath, which was in Eastleigh. Because I stayed in the Hilton Hotel for three months, so Southampton were great, they put me up for three months, it, and in those days, I put my house for sale up in the northwest of England and it sold immediately. So it gave me rain then to go and buy something in Southampton because I was a great believer I didn't want to rent.
3: Was it a bit more expensive down there?
4: A little bit, yeah. Yeah, but th- I remember the interest rate on mortgages was nearly 15%. Oh, yeah,
3: Jerry Tiger last week, Yeah.
4: And then I remember getting involved with um, uh, a financial advisor and he said, oh, I can get you one for 14%. But I was always very shrewd that way and I did my own and I found the company called Stroud & Swindon. Who'd done it on like on a fixed term for three years for something like twelve and a half percent? So I went with them, um, but obviously eighteen months down the line, I was leaving Southampton, and a lad called Richard Hall, who was a centre half at uh, Southampton, That's
3: right. Did he go to go Coventry City
1: as
4: well. Yeah, after? yeah, I played to he, about done, forty year old, didn't it? He? He's played I think it England under twenty ones. He was at the time, and uh, he was doing well at Southampton, and he said, "Did you? I'd like to buy your house off." So Thankfully,
3: he bought it and then I could move back to the northwest of England. So, we talked about a few hard on there. I forgot. Something you mentioned on the golf course. Neil Ruddock with there, wasn't it? Oh, Neil Ruddock, Razor Ruddock, yeah. yeah. What about that clash? <sighs>
2: Ruddock,
4: Terry Hadlock. Oh, yeah. I think something. the manager's very shrewd and always put them on the same team in, in possession and uh, five sides and yeah. that, yeah. But what 2 men mountains to have in your team. Uh, and again, Neil Ruddock, really bubbly character hard as nails on the football pitch had a great left foot um but a nice man really nice man but uh i never saw any clashes between him and and uh terry hurlick because i think there would have been oh. uh fisticuffs and, and and blood flying and a few teeth being knocked out but, uh, yeah. recipe for disaster yeah but uh... tell us about the golf trip <clears throat> Yeah, we went to, uh, I think somewhere in Portugal, I don't know, it was Porto Benuso, Port one of the, the areas to play golf. And um, I teamed up with Letizia, Ruddock, um, myself, and I think it was Ian Dowie. I remember being on one of the holes, Letizia was ready to hit his second shot down the, down the fairway, and Neil Ruddock was sat in the buggy to the right of him And I was stood behind Letizier watching his shot. And Tiz said to Razor, you better move because I might hit you. And Neil Ruddock went, nah, nah, stupid, you won't hit me from there, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, he tees it up, gets himself set to hit it, hits his driver off the fairway, I think it was a three wood. It went at like a 45 degree angle, hit Neil Ruddock on the arm, knocked him out of the buggy and he couldn't play golf. (laughs) <laughs> and all Letizia and everybody else could do was laugh. And then I was laughing, thinking, you little know, laughing at Neil Ruddocker, you better shut up. <laughs> was <laughs> he yeah, right with it? Or? He was fine with it. He was laughing, but he, he had a huge bruise on his arm and it did stop him playing golf. He was a decent player, Letizia, but I yeah. golf. he was. I think
3: he's a true handicapper now. You know? He
4: was sponsored by Titleist because he had the big Titleist bag with Matt Letizia written all over it. Mm. Um, so he used to get all the golf shoes and all the attire and the clubs he was a good golfer very good golfer yeah
3: I think he's good mates with Richard Bland I think he's from down there I think right. he's caddied for him actually in yeah. the European tour so. yeah. yeah
2: I don't know a few people was caddied in the European tour you do don't you I remember playing yeah. with
4: Shearer um and uh, I, think it was, I think it might have been Woodsy playing at the golf course when Alan got the the phone call to go and sign for Blackburn Rovers
3: so you were on the golf course yeah. We were with playing Alan, Shearer Alan Shearer when he yeah. got the phone call, bids accepted from Blackburn Rovers? Yeah,
4: well, he kept saying to us, oh, they've offered that and they're offered that and they're offered that. Was it United
3: it? in Prim as well? Yeah, it was yeah.
4: United and Blackburn and it was a tussle between the two and he said, oh, United are offering this and Blackburn are offering that. I said, I've got to go, I've got to go and speak to them and then uh, that evening he, he drove up to Blackburn and signed for them.
2: Who could who could say no to Sarkaney?
4: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and what a good decision it was, because he Absolutely. ended up winning the, win league. the league. yeah. Yeah, Sutton and Shearer, the SAS up front.
3: They're a great team. All yeah. Sherwood were on fire Then in the middle of yeah. that one as well. They were a yeah. good team. Big Colin at the... back, yep. in his prime. Jack Walker, God rest his soul.
4: Yeah, and I think they had the likes of Lissau and Batty at the time, they did. didn't they, yeah? They had a fantastic had some
3: good team. good Did Tim Flowers go by then, was he? Tim Flowers was mm-hmm. there, yeah. Yeah,
4: yeah. Because wow. Tim Flowers played for Blackburn when Letizia was playing for Southampton, he scored that freak goal past him, didn't he?
2: So towards the end of your time at Southampton, obviously Bolton had come in for you. When did you first hear of the interest from Bolton?
4: I played in a reserve game at Roadsea, which was Southampton's training ground, and we were playing uh, Queen's Park Rangers, uh, seven, 7 o'clock kickoff night game under the floodlights. Um, I was out of the team because obviously Letiz had gone back in it and I needed game time. Um, so you, when you're out of the first team, you played in the reserves. Nowadays, it's whether they want to play. But yeah, I needed to play to keep my fitness up. And I played in the game and I played all right. And I, I remember scoring a worldie with my left foot from 25 yards out. So we played the game. I think we won 2-0, two, 2-1. Two like Came off, off after the game... Um, And it was only the following morning when we were in training, doing a bit of a cool down and a a lighter session, I I got a call to go and speak to the secretary and that they needed to speak to me. And it was, Bruce had been on the phone to say, would I come up to Bolton on loan to play some football? Um, Because I was out of the team at Southampton and all you ever want to do is play first team football. And I knew deep down that it was going to be a hell of a shift for me to, get Matthew out the team and no disrespect to Ian Branford he wanted him in the team and the, the club wanted him in the team. I thought it was going to be difficult to get back in and i played bit parts uh, as a substitute and, and played other cup games and whatever, but I didn't think I was ever going to play first team football while Matthew was there. So the opportunity to go to Bolton was the best decision I've ever made in football. At the time I didn't realise that, but, uh, I was going to go down the level to play, but I wanted to play first team football, and it was an opportunity to go back up to the northwest of England. And, and that's the first I heard of it. And when the opportunity came, and Ian Branfoot said, uh, there's an offer for you to go and go and play football for first team football, or be involved in a first team football squad. And I jumped at it.
2: What was your first thoughts on meeting the boss?
4: Mm. I was intimidated by him Um, and I I know he tested me because he was very, he was a smart man, a professional man and he was totally honest and I only met him for the first time when we played down at Exeter City and he spoke to me and said we're in a hotel in Exeter I wanted to come across and be part of the squad for the game on the Tuesday night. So I drove across on the Tuesday morning, uh, on the Monday, sorry, on the, because the players were staying there Monday night. I drove across Monday evening. He was in reception waiting for me. He took me through to the uh, the restaurant, bar restaurant area, and he said, there's the lads, get yourself half a lager, and um, I'll speak to you later. And I thought, half a lager? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't drink anyway, um, but I knew then he was testing me to see what type of character I was or whether I'd go and get half a half a lager from the bar to sit down and have a meal. And I said, no, thank you, I, I don't drink, and I sat down and didn't really speak to him the following morning. I think we trained on the Tuesday morning, the light session, and he set the team up, and I was I was involved in it, and I was playing, and I played on the Tuesday night. But from the moment I saw him, I just knew... He was the right person for me because he he had that professionalism about him. He was strict, he was fair, he was honest and you could see the way he conducted himself. He was a shirt and tie and jacket man and I thought, yeah, he he, he could be the man for me and uh, always had the utmost respect for him and, and still do to this day.
3: I think one thing I've learned from doing these podcasts and speaking to footballers, anything they ever want from a manager is just honest. They don't want them. Just say it. Yeah, honesty innit? it.
2: Well, you, I think nobody's different. I everybody likes to know where they stand. Uh, if you're not going to play, tell me I'm not going to play. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's like, true, John. You know, it, football's a short career as it is. Yeah. You don't want to waste any time, no. do you? No. And if you're not the right person for any in particular manager, then you best move on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you 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 want to play as m- yeah. often as you can, yeah. as consistent as you can.
4: But but like players don't like being criticised or being told that they're not good at something or they haven't done well. But the thing with Bruce was he told you uh, deep down players know when you haven't played well. Um, But sometimes you need that from a manager to reiterate it to you. And he was straight down the line with you. If you weren't doing something right or you stepped out of line, he would come down on you like a ton of bricks, which was great because you get all different types of characters in the, in the dressing room and, Some lads lads like to be in the pecking order high up. Some people try and keep a low profile. But when Bruce walked in, he he knew every individual and he knew how to work and get the best out of every individual. And and he was great for me and I had the utmost respect for him.
3: So your loan spell, I want to bring you in, John. Started really well, didn't it? Flying. Absolutely. I hit the ground running. Uh,
2: I think did. You were... a similar situation as myself, really. I had waited all summer until they had raised the money yeah. for me to come in in the end of September. Mm-hmm. And you came in on loan initially to give them time again to yeah. raise the money. Yeah. And it was probably the cup runs that paid for you, to be honest yes. with you. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know?
4: Well, I remember, John, I was on loan for the um, the Liverpool game, wasn't I? Yeah. I was still on loan. And then the revenue, once he drew Liverpool in the FA Cup, I think the revenue that that was going to draw for the football club then enabled them to buy me. And I remember Bruce getting me in the office and he said, listen, we want to buy you, he said, but I can't go and ask all them supporters to get an extra pound each out of the pocket to raise the funds to buy you. And I said, I totally understand that, Bruce. He said, but we're trying our best. And then straight after we drew Liverpool in the FA Cup and then that initial... Money they were going to get from the from the the cup and then the replay, obviously guaranteed them that they could raise the the finances to buy me. So
2: it makes you think, though, doesn't it? What what I wonder what would have happened if Southampton had turned around and said, "No, we don't want them cup tied." Yes. Just in case you don't sign. Yeah. Him. Yeah. And or if we didn't draw Liverpool, mm. when would the money come available? Or would it would have have it have come available? available yeah. Yeah. So was
4: always that sort of question to there ask. Was, well, yeah. Liverpool bought you. Really, yes, yeah, yeah. No question. Yeah. Um, but I was so thankful for it because I'd played in the team and done all right and then I seemed to get the crowd on my side oh, as well, the fans which, which was great for me. So then the board and the manager were obviously under a little bit of pressure to say, well, if we're going to go places, you need to try and buy players. And, and obviously John came in and then I came in. So it, it, the club was forward thinking and sometimes you need a little bit of luck and you need to be in the right place at the right time. Unfortunately for me, those pieces of the jigsaw
3: fell into place. What i I try and say, John? You, David come on with his quality, flying down the wing. Were you not banging onto the boss's door, signing him? Sign no him.
2: question. Of course I was, yeah, because not just from our perspective. Myself and Andy Walker, obviously, were the ones on the end of his crosses and, you know... He, he created so many goals for the both of us, it was untrue, it really was. And that was from our perspective, the rest of the boys in the team, if ever we were under pressure as a team and we were on our heels and we were forced back, we knew we could put the ball in between the centre back and the full back and that man there would get on the end of it and he would get us up the park, he would win us a corner or a throw in or a free kick and he would just take that pressure
4: off us with his pace Nobody could live with them. I mean, it was. Did you feel at home straight away, David? I did. Yeah, I really did. Back in the northwest of England, but the character within the dressing room—you had your Scousers, you had John, and you had Coyley, you had Stubbsy, you had McAteer, you had Tony Kelly, and but then you had your old school. You had your Phil Browns and your Davy Burks, uh, your Mark Winstanleys, Mark Seagraves, and the blend of players was fantastic and then the management side of it really drew everything out of us and slowly but surely we started building that belief and that camaraderie between us because to be fair when I came into the football club there was a few players there but when Bruce came in and, and John and Andy came and myself came it seemed to create a little bit of a buzz about the place and the belief started coming through we started playing well, we started winning games and slowly that jigsaw started coming together. The supporters were on side and there was a belief within everybody, the town, the supporters, the players, the staff, that we could do something and that was generated by the management behind us, making us or putting us in the right direction and hard work. He made us work hard. We worked hard for everything we did. Do you know
2: something, dude, I was just going to say that, David, that the boss... And Colin got every ounce out of every player in that dressing room. They did. And he worked the nuts off us. He did, yeah. Day in, day out, we worked hard. We we trained like we played. Yeah. And we had no option on that. No, no.
4: You're not talking about that, John. Sorry to interrupt you. But do you remember when we played down at Stockport County and the game was off? Do I? Right. We, was it a Friday night, John?
2: I was organising the night out yeah. on the way back.
4: Was it a oh, Friday? Yeah. yeah, on the bus. Yeah, it was a Friday, Friday night. night. We got to Stockport and it had poured down. We all got in the dressing room and he came come in and he went, I'm sorry, lads, the game's off. So <laughs> yeah. I'm at the back of the bus, right? <laughs> Organise it, right? Get the cars
2: dropped off. Do, 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 do. We're going out. Oh, right, it doing. was. Yeah. No problem. Anyway. I'll let you tell the story, dad <laughs>
4: We got on the coach coming home. Everybody's in high spirit, thinking three night out, weekend off, get back to towards Burnham Park. Someone says, "Floodlights doing on?" No, it can't be. Could be the Greyhound track at the side of it. No, the floodlights are on. Got back in the car park. Bruce said, "Right, I'll see you on the track in ten minutes." We're training. And he absolutely ran the socks off us on that Friday on, night. Please. And I'm telling you what, not even he went out after that game, after that training session. I my <laughs> he absolutely <laughs> ran us to the ground.
2: He'd heard us at the front. He's at the front of the bus, and he'd heard us organising everything into, was- and he was like, "I'll show them. They ain't going out." Yeah, and so he, he beasted us. Yeah, it just, just
3: letting go- you know. Yeah. Letting you know his boss. Yeah, let us know his boss. Well, we knew it was boss. Yeah. We bring...
4: worked harder in that training session than we would have in the game yeah. on that Friday I'm going to
3: bring you back about something, about destiny and stuff. Yeah. So, Bolton probably raised the money mm-hmm. to get David with the FA Cup Liverpool draw. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're going to come to the Liverpool match in a minute, but in the first round, we only, scrape. only scraped through Barry Cowderall, Sutton Caulfield. Yeah. yeah. First round, yeah. scraped yeah. through.
4: We did. We did And what could have been It could have been Yeah Yeah. At Burnham Park But yeah. we did We
3: got through I'm going to let you two gentlemen Talk about the Liverpool game Because obviously you two are well involved Yeah Well I'm going to say
2: this Right And I've said it People probably Best performance I've ever seen Of a player live Was this man Against Liverpool
3: No I'm going to Let's just go on The first match Because Oh Sorry I never went to the first match, couldn't get a ticket, got one for the re- return fixture. What was it like on the first match? On that pitch?
2: Well, first match, obviously, frozen pitch, was yes, it? Yes, yeah. Soonest turns to our up, advantage, John. Soonest turns up going mental, Yeah, you? yeah. And you carry on.
4: Well, the preparation of it, did we stay in the hotel the night yeah. before? The, yeah, the chairman's <coughs> hotel, didn't we? That's we stayed right. in the night before. So our preparation was good, and we got to the ground. And I didn't think the pitch would be frozen at all. But it was. It took me a, a back a little bit. I'm sorry. Yeah, but someone was, forgot to it switch broken. it on. It <laughs> broke on the Thursday. <laughs> yeah, um, so we got to the ground, and it was a televised game on ITV, wasn't it? So really, from the club's perspective, we had to play that game, didn't we? So everything was going in our favour and going against the likes of Graham Souness and, and the Liverpool players at the time. The pitch was absolutely frozen solid. But we had under, uh,
3: soil eating.
4: Yeah, but... Do it... you think it was accidentally well, turned off? John and me were touching the grass. We couldn't feel any warmth, could we, John? <laughs> Did it get fixed quick? The following week it was. Yeah. But if we're honest,
2: it was a leveller. Yeah, it right? was. It was yeah. a leveller.
4: It gave us an opportunity, didn't it? But saying that, John, we should have won that game. First half, we were
2: unbelievable. Yeah, outstanding. We destroyed the them, half. didn't we? And saying that, Liverpool probably came out with the wrong attitude, at yes. the wrong frame yeah. of mind because yeah. they were, yeah. they were disgusted.
4: Because we were League Two at the time, weren't we, John? We, were. Or Division Two, and they were obviously in the top league. And I think mentally, they probably thought they could walk all over us just as a as a canter, really. Cup holders, yeah. Cup holders, they were, yeah, yeah. And up to a few minutes to go, we were two one up. We were winning the game. We were going to win the game, and then uh, a mistake What a fantastic opportunity it was to go to Anfield. If you're honest, it couldn't have worked out any better.
2: You know, because I think, A, we were 2-0 up at half-time. Yeah. They've come back in the second half. Rushi scored yeah. second half, got it to 2-2, obviously. And Graham sooner stands on the sideline getting interviewed after the game and mm. says, well, that's a hard work done.
4: Yeah. It's
2: a bit naughty, like, yeah. a potential brand of skin, but that's a hard work yeah. done. We'll get them back at Anfield. Yeah. And if you think about it, if we had won that game, I don't think we would have made the impact like the win at Anfield.
4: No, I totally agree, John. Yeah. And I think, if I remember rightly, correct me if I'm wrong, John, was there an article in the newspaper where Sooners had said the hard work was done and Bruce brought it in and pinned it up in the dressing room for us and literally said, that's your incentive for the the next game. Mm. And then... Obviously, we went to Anfield. It was an exciting opportunity to go to Anfield, and the rest is history. But what a game to play in! Do
2: you know something? Now you just when you said that earlier on about the money coming from that game to pay for you, you played like <laughs> you played like you wanted to get the money to pay yes, for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like I said, honestly, yeah. that's the best live performance I've ever seen of any mm-hmm. player. That I've mean, been involved. That in.
4: means a lot to me John but I I I I've never been one for the limelight but the whole squad that night and the management it just it was a story written for us wasn't it and to win the game the way we did and obviously the way I played and the way I put the ball in for John to score his his header but what people don't talk about as well is that in the second half John went down the right wing, similar to what I did in the first half down the left wing. Put a magnificent crossing for Andy Walker to score a superb header. Um, and I think because of the Anfield rapport and, and what it meant for me and, and for a club, we forget how John, how good John was that night, for scoring a goal and creating a fantastic cross for Andy
3: Walker to score the second. I got two memories. I watched this. Just forget my stats, right? John were awesome. You were awesome. What I watched, that's two things. Tony Kelly were awesome. Ran the show. What a player. I Ran know, it's Tony K- he bossed it, didn't he? Ran player. the show.
4: Yeah. It was John's initial, uh, it was Kels's initial pass out to me to start, to create the first goal. And I can't remember how many minutes it was when we scored the first goal, John. It was early in, wasn't it? Yeah. So it was, was but it, it eight, eight, eight minutes, minutes somewhere. Like I mean, obviously, ball came out to me.
2: You've knocked it past Mike Marsh, Mike Marsh yeah,
4: and it sprinted past him,
2: and then. But again, like we were talking earlier, you hit it first time, yeah, and the difference it makes for somebody to time the run because yeah. they know it's coming in, yeah, and you can yeah. get on the end of yeah. things.
4: I think with me knocking it past Marsh in, and knowing I had the pace to beat him, it gave me a chance to look up, assess where you were, and then put it in an area because Bruce always said, if you're not gonna, if you, if you are going past a player and he's tight with you you don't have an opportunity to look up, just put the ball in the box. But because I knocked it past Marsh and I was a couple of yards ahead of him, it gave me a chance to have a look. It saw, it, let me see John going into that area and I knew exactly where to put the ball and, and John got on the end of it. So
3: Like a salmon. He was. Yeah, but do you know my it. second I, bit picked out of that match? You're going to love this. Your strips are falling pieces. You didn't even have new strips for that match, did you? No. we we never got new no. strips. That's That one shot lasted you all, all season. season. It was falling pieces. Yeah. All, all season, there, yeah. I clocked it with my yeah. eyes, thinking, Yeah. Look a like yeah. you like a bit faded yeah. here. A bit, your yeah. strips were falling all pieces. We were,
4: yeah, yeah. And I've still got my shirt. I've got mine as well. Yeah. And I keep saying I'm going to get it framed and I've had it 30 years and I've still not got it framed. No, got
3: do not do a Steve Hodge and have it in the wrong place. Hope you've got it somewhere nice and dry? Yeah.
4: Yeah, it is, yeah. But I just remember in that game as well. I mean, not many people have seen it, but Jamie Redknapp nearly breaks my leg in that game. On that tackle, and that it? tackle, yeah. And second I, half. Second half, and he went through me like there's no tomorrow. Um, and it could have been a different story, but I saw him coming, and I, I tried to ride the tackle, but he, he did get me. But thankfully, I was uh, flexible enough to get away with it. A bit but petulant, they tried to well,
2: you know, really. We came across that way, didn't they? Yeah they yeah. weren't, uh, Didn't they didn't take it very well? No,
4: they didn't. No, no. But
2: in saying that, the crowd did. Did
4: yeah? I remember John. We at the end of the game, we had what nine and a half thousand supporters mm-hmm. there. We went to that end and they <coughs> clapped us and we we enjoyed the celebrations. And yet, once we'd finished with our supporters, we turned around. The cop was still there and they clapped us off, didn't they? they? Us and off. they appreciated good football. And to be fair, we played them off the park for ninety minutes, didn't we? I
2: mean. Branny made a couple of good saves in yeah. the game yeah. you know, and kept him, kept at important in it, yes. times.
4: Yeah. But other than that, he didn't
2: have a lot no. to do in the game. No, no, he and didn't. Again, as you say there, I think you know, the mark of respect from the cop to, to applaud us off the park yeah. showed that a lower league team would be expected to go and kick, yeah. try and kick them yeah. off the park. But we and and do you know
4: what, John? It's still in people's memories now
3: and it's 30 oh. years down the line. it will never leave, did No. It? Never leave. Because we were a Division 2 side.
4: Yeah. Everybody wrote us off, didn't they? We weren't like a
3: championship side. No, no. Division 2. No. But the form kept us in the league, didn't it? It did. Got promotion. Yeah. Last game of the season. Mm -hmm. It's your local team. Preston North End, yeah. And I
4: remember um, there was a massive build-up to the game because there was a lot pending on that game. There was promotion for us. There was a possible uh, relegation for Preston North End. There was speculation from Preston North End that Tony Ellis, their striker, was going to be left out, the team, and, yeah, it was, Preston have always got, fantastic support, and it was a fantastic atmosphere, wasn't it John, yeah. the pitch was horrendous, if I remember rightly,
3: What, even in May? Yeah, it
2: was, Park, uh, Liam, was notoriously bad, as a surface, and it was either, too wet, or too dry, yeah, there was no in between, there
1: was no in
4: between, no, and it, it, it had patches of, uh, fresh turf that they tried to build into where the, the poor parts were. But that was just us. We knew that, John, didn't we? That's
2: it. Yeah. And, but if you ever noticed, if you made a slide tackle or anything else, like a 10-yard divot would come up, <laughs> would come up, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, because I know, right, it, it was like, right, it was. It was. It was and
4: horrendous, yeah. It, but, it was, and it
2: was dead. It there was. There was no real bounce not, of the not, ball. It was just no, it was a, like pudding. a pudding. it was pudding, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
4: But, but yeah. you wouldn't swap it for anybody, no. honestly. But to answer your question about the Preston game, there must have been nearly twenty-five thousand on that day. It was packed. Um, I remember getting the ball on the right wing, and I went to take somebody on, and I went to cross it across the near post for John, and then this fullback got in the way and handballed it, didn't he? And then uh, the rest is history. I'm still
2: not so sure it was a handball. <laughs> <to be honest laughs> well,
4: with. we can say we can say it was a possible handball, yeah. Ball, yeah. I mean, I think it was a,
2: it was a harsh decision it was, for them. Yeah. It yeah. was a great decision yeah. for us because yeah. it was such a tight yeah. game.
4: The way I the way I passed it into you, it, it, it's literally... He's not moved his but hand. He, he's he going, kind of leant into it, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, yeah. which but, he was doing his job. But obviously the referee was uh, so different. And then the pressure that John was under to take the penalty again. Was it Simon Farmer thing goal Farrison for them? Simon yeah. yeah. And he scored the goal, which obviously got us promotion... Also sent Preston North End down in it for allegation.
2: Do you remember that week? Because you're talking about pressure there. Do you remember that week? Did
4: you go to the races that week? Yes. Yes, I did. Do you yeah. remember that day? Yeah, I do remember it very well, John. <laughs>
3: well, we've had this. That's another twice story. <laughs> <laughs> story. We know his teachers put that on we're not going
4: to talk about Rob McCaffrey, are we? <laughs> No, I don't know about that. But
2: it's well, and Wellesby don't like us, does he? No, no. 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 But it, yeah, that was a day wanted because the manager had said we could go. Go, yes. But as long as you yeah. behave yourselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, behave
4: and yourself, John.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know which hotel. <laughs> and The champagne and the flowers. Oh, I know. I know. Oh, I know. So we couldn't. Well if we ever yeah. get him on, we could tell him the truth, could not we? Mm. I'd, be, I'd be scared. I would, I'd well, I'll him. tell him, John, but i have no worries. I'd be scared.
4: Would you, would you tell him, yeah? Oh, yeah, of course. What
3: do you think? Straight in the, hey, Bruce, do you know? Yeah. No. During the war. Yeah. <laughs> he
4: probably no. watches a podcast or know me now.
3: <laughs> Too much respect for, for
2: oh, Bruce tell to me. tell him that, yeah. But it yeah. was, I oh, wanted I mean, that was a, it was a week that where he thought, right, he was doing the right thing, yeah. go to the races, take your pressure off you. Yeah,
4: yeah. Well, wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But you've
2: yeah. got to remember, it, it, you know, Preston, when you look at it, they brought it on themselves, really, in the way 10 men behind the ball at yeah. all so times. John Beck, John Beck, Beck was the manager, they yeah. were winning possession, kicking it as far down the pitch as yeah. they could, yeah, and just nobody even going to, and just staying, staying where, they, where were. they were, yeah. And it was yeah. horrible. And I it?
4: remember it, Tony Ellis was their star player at the time, he left him out completely, it, yeah. A guy that could win a game for win him. a game for you, yeah. And they and needed to win yeah. a game, and they crazy. left him out, crazy, yeah. Which was beneficial to us. And avoid. we had numerous chances,
2: but we didn't have. It we, wasn't a great game. No, was
4: we it? couldn't break them down, could no. we? No. And, and sometimes you need that bit of lady luck, yeah. and, and we got it on the day, and uh, it was thankfully. it was, thankfully it was uh, the points that we
3: needed. So we got promoted in the Championship, Division One at the time. Oh, in the Championship or Division One. Mm-hmm. Again, flying. Anyone come in for you? Not that I'm aware of. No, no, I was never told anything. No, no. Because you think even after the Liverpool no, game, people uh, might have been going, I,
2: I'm sure the boss's phone was ringing off the hook after the Liverpool game. Yeah. No question, dudes. Yeah. I mean, there's no, seriously, if, if watching that game, I don't care what club you're at, mm. you'd be interested. And I'm sure, but the boss was trying to build something. Of course he was, yeah. And, yeah, you know, the boss and the chairman at the time, Gordon Haradreeves, yeah. they had a fantastic relationship. Yeah, they you did, know, yeah. And Colin as well yeah. was obviously involved yeah, in it. Yeah, part of it. So you'd think, Listen, we're building something here. We're not yeah. wanting to get rid of our best players. No. And no. I think, anyway, there would have been mutiny. Yes. There would yeah. have been.
4: Yeah. And then, do you know what? It would have had to have been a, a huge lure for a player to want to leave that because yeah. we knew we had something special. Um, you knew we were on the up. Yeah. The club was on the yeah.
2: up. No way. And the support yeah. behind this was... Why would you want to leave that? The yeah. support was yeah. fantastic. It game was. in, game, game out, out yeah. and we all knew each other. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was just brilliant. Yeah. The
4: whole, the whole work ethic of the club was fantastic, yeah. wasn't it? Everybody was no, no one was better than anybody else. Everybody had the utmost respect for each other, and we were we had that winning mentality, and we wanted it to continue. So, so why would you want to, to leave that? And and nobody did, did they? No. Bruce I mean, wanted. If Bruce didn't want people in the club. You knew about it. Yeah. But if, would if, would if, he let them go? Or just yeah. say,
3: "Right, time's up for you. Thank you very yeah. much."
4: Yeah, he, he would tell. So he was that honest,
3: straight man again. It was. Yeah. it will also put you lot on your toes. Then, like, it, it so it's a great time here. Yeah. Forget people coming in for you. Yeah. I don't want to get pushed yeah. out myself.
2: You wanted to stay and be involved. You Simple did. as that. Yeah. And and the thing is, the boss pushed you to the limit yeah. day in day out. Yeah. Right, and if you didn't respond, you would have been gone simple yeah listen you don't you're not a successful manager unless you're ruthless as well no
4: his man management was brilliant it really was do you remember when he took us to Entwistle Reservoir when it was snowing John
2: he took us there a few times did yeah, and, and, and we dreaded
4: it every time do <laughs> you know what I mean because that's a run isn't it well you had to run from one end it was like a horseshoe all the way around but it was like there was little inlets so you thought you would getting around the corner and then there was another corner and another corner I mean for people like myself I, I, used, to rel- I used to love that because it was a challenge and I knew I could run but other players Tony Kelly Tony, Kel- no, Tony Kel- was he good he could yeah. run he wasn't quick but he was a plodder and he just yeah. kept going he was fine yeah John would mourn, but could do it. I'd mourn, I'd mourn it yeah. every second, but up. I hated it. There was a, we once went around the, the reservoir, Liam, and you all started congregated at the gate, and you had to get, you had a group, say six of you, and they'd categorise you, so the quick ones would go, so blah, blah, blah. But this this week, he'd, he'd taken us, and he'd, he'd said, right, you're with the, blah, 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 X with Y and Z with, and right now, a bit different. Right, come on, quick as you can, all the way around. Get round, and I'll be at the other end, or Tony be at the other end, timing you. So you'd finish it, and then he'd say, right, he'd write it all down, and then he'd say, right, we're going back the opposite way. Everyone's got to get through. Everyone's got to get over the line. So I remember I had Keith Brannigan in my team, in my squad, um, and a couple of others. And on the way back, Branny hated running, and. I thought Bruce was like testing us, get everybody across the line. So we set off and when you've got pace, you, you've got a pace and you want to run it. And Branny was a bit of a jogger. And I remember getting round to the final stretch and I was probably about 50 yards from the end. And there's two or three of us and he's saying, I hear Bruce, where's your squad? Get back and drag them over that line. So we had to run half the course back, get Branny, and bring you back, and he's going, I'm gonna have a heart attack, I'm gonna have a heart attack. <laughs> but we had to get in all as a group. So, so anyone listen, he's the goalkeeper. It was a goalkeeper, Keith Branigan, But it could have been any of the other lads. But that was a that was a spirit that Bruce was trying to instill into us, all in it together. So you had to finish as a group, and it, and it instilled that togetherness and that camaraderie amongst us. So you had to drag your teammates through because you knew on a Saturday, not necessarily Branny, but as an outfield player, if you're having a bit of a bad time, you knew your mates would drag you through it and get you through it, and, and that's
3: what he built, and that's why we had so much success. Well, for sure, in the Championship, mid-table finish, but could have gone a bit closer. Year after, what a season. Massive season for us, wasn't it? Yeah. Great cup run. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. We, um, the, the league form was great, and, and the cup runs were, were special. But they didn't put a shadow yeah. over each of them because the cup runs were successful, weren't they, John? And the league, the league form was was brilliant. And again, it was down to the work ethic of the players and the management to get every ounce out of us. And we had one or two disappointments along the way, but
3: you were on fire. We year, grafted for each other, didn't we? We really did. I think you in particular were on fire that yeah. year. Yeah, were ball and just. Down the wing, bang, kick, I and th- run th- on this
4: We got to the stage where we all knew our strengths and weaknesses, and, and players in the team knew exactly what we were good at and what we weren't too good at, and we, we exploited our strengths and and made teams suffer the consequences on many occasions.
2: And we we had improved year on year as well, because obviously players fall by the wayside as such, don't they? And, and yeah. The club now had made investments yeah. and started to bring in better players. Yeah. Consequently, we got better as a group, didn't we? We did,
3: yeah. Yeah. And we all knew our roles, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. And probably good of Stubbs and Marketeer. Uh, yeah. Once they hold in their own, big parts of the team then, weren't yeah. they? Holding their own. They were better than in their miles. own. They were clubs yeah. on they they were were the, main level in the work side. Work. Yeah.
4: And but, if you if you look at what careers they went on to achieve, Stubbs here at Celtic and obviously Jason at uh, at Liverpool. They, um, they were good players. Very. And, and down to the Ian McNeil and, and Toddy oh. and Bruce recognising what we've got.
3: And um, Alan on the other wing. What a uh, yeah. God, I'm thinking, what two wingers are, yeah. him yeah. and Alan? Yeah. It was, Proper uh, width.
4: Yeah.
2: And did, yeah. For God's sake, in the middle, you, you couldn't do anything else but score at times, you know what I mean? Because you knew you were getting
3: You're constant getting quality, service. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to bring you to a low point. Go on. Only well, because I thought it was a, it's a good question. So we got to Wembley in the League Cup final against Liverpool. Mm -hmm. Did you break your foot? No,
4: I played in that game. In the final, League Cup? In the League Cup, in the Coca-Cola Cup final, yeah. Then we went on to the playoffs um, and it was Wolves at home in the second leg. And I went to clear a ball on the 18-yard line, which I never went as... I didn't defend, I didn't usually go that deep. They used to tell me to stay up. I remember this occasion um, I was there to clear the ball and I cleared it and I, as I hooked it my foot hit the bottom of Mark Venus's foot and it broke the three metatarsals on my foot and I was in absolute agony and I tried to carry on but I just could not walk on it and then uh, obviously I, I went off, off to hospital in an ambulance and all I was concerned about was what the score was and could they get it on the radio for us and uh, whilst I was waiting for, is it is it Banks he's called, yeah, isn't he? Tony yeah, Tony Banks. Tony Banks, who Sergeant. was a surgeon, to speak to me. All I was concerned about was, what's the score? And I heard that John had scored and, and we'd obviously won. And I said to Banks, oh, will I be fit for the final? And he went, you got no chance. Because the X-ray come back straight away and the three metatarsals out of the five had
3: smashed all three. So so that's what I want to say. You, you've had the build-up, you've seen the team getting strength stronger Mm. the runs league flying up playoff final not involved
4: yeah i I wasn't involved obviously i was devastated and i think because banks again you're working with people and and staff who were dead honest with you and banks you said straight away you will not play you will not play in that final um so really the disappointment was there but coming to terms with it it was a harsh Pill to swallow, but I knew I had no chance of playing in that cup final. So I had time to get over it. And whilst I was doing my rehab, I mean, the final from then, John, was what, a couple of weeks away? Three weeks, something like that. Just over two weeks, I think. Two weeks away. Yeah. I was back in the club. In fact, Bruce said to me, right, he said, You're going away on holiday for five days. I'm sending you away. So I went, I think it was somewhere in Spain for five days or Portugal or something. Get away. I don't want to see you. Take your family, come back on certain day. So I, I went away for five days, come back, carried on my rehab. But Bruce Riot kept me involved in everything from that day all the way through to the
3: final. So even so, you went down to so London with that. I way. went, yeah, good,
4: yeah.
2: Which wasn't the norm, no. Because normally, if you were injured, the boss didn't, didn't want to know you. you. No, wouldn't let you in the no. room. Didn't
4: want to speak no. to you. No. So because you was useless to him, weren't yeah. You? Can I just
3: bring this so, up? So if you're injured, get out of the way. Would that make sometimes then you're going to play for an injury? Was it a different psychology, like, where you won't tell him you're super injured? Uh, I, I never feigned injury. if I couldn't. No, not feigned. Yeah. Like, if you had an injury, you're not going to tell him. Like, you get a well, like, That him. was a of bit
4: of mental strength, it. wasn't it? Most of the boys played with injuries. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, you were never was. 100%, were you? But that was the mentality that Bruce put into you. And like John said earlier in the conversation, you wanted to be involved. So whether you had a slight strain or a bit of a swelling on the ankle... You just got on with it, didn't you?
2: You were kind of scared not to play, yeah, because yeah. the team was so good. If you were out for a period, you always worried that would oh, you get back yeah. in? Yeah, So that's true. You did play, of and, you did, yeah. and with the amount of games we played, I mean, it was Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, yeah. relentlessly through the season. Yeah, you're going to wear and tear. So that's three
3: games right? in seven days, really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. But just going back to your point, Bruce kept his kept me involved in. Like you said, John, he, he involved me all the way, took me down with the squad. In fact, you went to, was it Barrington's you yeah, went, we went to? we went to Portugal. To Portugal, but I didn't go because I was useless to them. Then I couldn't do any training. I was better staying at the training ground than doing some rehab. But when the lads came back and we ended up going down, I travelled down with them, stayed in the hotel the night before, um, completely involved with everything. And then obviously I was sat on the bench on, on the day of the year uh, when the lads played in that memorable final.
3: It was. I bet your bloody bloody broke when it were 2-0 down, weren't you?
4: Well, yeah, but there's something, when Keith saved that penalty, you just thought, it's our day. Do you know what I mean? We were 2-0 down, they had a penalty. Keith Brannigan makes a fantastic save. Next minute, we're back in the game at 2-1 and then the rest is history, but it was a fantastic occasion and, and proud to be involved in it and after the game, the celebrations were second and on. But it wasn't just the fact that we'd got promotion at Wembley. The whole season had been fantastic and it had been one hell of a ride. And we'd had one or two dips along the way. But I think it, was, it justified us getting promotion because we were one of the best teams in the league, weren't we, John? And that's, it's easy for us to say, but we, we gave everybody a hell of a game, didn't we, for the full season.
2: You said earlier on about being involved and and you know being on the bench for the cup final and then still being involved. I want you to show this clip by the way. <laughs> There's a clip of you coming on at the final whistle. <laughs> and I swear crutches. with crutches right. Mark Patterson runs on. Yeah. And I'm on the ground and he dives on top of me. Yeah. You come on behind him yeah. and I'll tell you what,
4: he's come on with the crutches and he can still go faster <laughs> than me running. <laughs> so <he caught> <laughs> that, you. I think that was uh, Ding Dong Do. Dave actually mentions it on the video, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, the pace
2: you come on with. And, and I don't, I mean, you can see it on the thing, but the three of us, me, you and Paddy <laughs> together, you know what I mean? It was just joyful. Yeah. It, was, yeah. it was It was was, magic.
4: Um, it was, it was brilliant. And, and even though we weren't involved in the game, the actual... Togetherness of the whole squad was brilliant, and the lads who weren't even in the squad, everybody was galvanised, weren't they? And it was such an achievement, and uh, it, it finished off what we we started out to achieve um, under Bruce, and it, it was a it was a fantastic occasion. It really was.
2: I say that to you after the final game. Do you remember? Because we'd all had heard rumours, obviously, about Bruce leaving. Yes, yeah. Uh, what's your, what was your recollection after the game on, on that one? Because I'd said previously in another podcast, the chairman had took me for a walk Yeah. the day before the game. Right. When we were down at Burnham Beaches, the, the yeah. hotel we're were staying yeah. at. He took me for a walk and says, yes, the, the boss is leaving. But tell the lads, they'll all be looked after. They'll all get new contracts. Yeah. If we won the game, did it, right. and everything else. What's your thoughts or recollections on the boss? I didn't
4: hear any rumours before it. It was only after we got talk- we got called into the club, didn't we? A the f- the couple of days later, I can't remember. But I just remember Bruce saying, or an article saying, Bruce has gone up to Lancaster to Reebok to sign the contract for the new stadium and the advertised, whatever. And then... Uh, he said, but everybody has to be in the dressing room for a certain time, say one o'clock on the Monday afternoon. And I just remember coming in and you thought, it's a bit strange, just coming in at one o'clock, blah, blah, blah. And I was it? did Bruce come in to the dressing room, John? Or not? I think he did. He did, those, yeah. And I did just think he started off by saying, thanks for everything you've done, lads. You've had a great season, blah, 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 blah. Um, this is my last day you've seen me. I, I'm leaving. I'm going to Arsenal Football Club. And it was like, Phew. Yeah. Like a lead balloon. It was like the lights had gone out. Because, Quiet. Oh, oh. Like a death, wasn't it? It was. It was. It, it was like we were in mourning. We were in shock. Is that but, how much respect you had for him? Oh, and yeah, but we, we could not ever envisage us carrying on as Bolton Wands without Bruce Rioch. He was he was the integral cog that we all needed because he had made us work so hard and he got us a success we couldn't see beyond Bruce Reog and, and Bolton Walters. I personally couldn't. I thought, wow, what are we going to do now? And it was a massive shot. Great. And he he got his reward for everything he'd done by going to, to manage Arsenal. But from a personal perspective, I was gutted. Yeah. Absolutely gutted. Um, and even to this day, when you think about it, you just it puts a damp squib on it because... It was like an end of an era, really, wasn't it? And obviously, Toddy was going to take over and Roy McFarlane, but I couldn't see any further down the line for Bolton Wands without Bruce Riott being involved. He was a father figure. He was a manager. He was the one who held us all together and it it was devastating.
3: It really was. I think, did you leave six months later? Did you do do half of the premiership or all of it? No, I
4: did did the full season, yeah. Um, But I just knew from the start, when Toddy became manager and he started bringing new players in and leave me on the bench and give me big parts to play I just thought my time is I, I just thought whatever I did and I trained hard I really worked hard but whatever I did I was never going to influence Toddy enough for him to to make me a regular player so I stuck at it and and I remember talking to Gordon Hargreaves at the at the end of the season and he's saying David I don't want you to leave this football club but I've it's the hardest decision I've ever got to make. Um, but Colin wants you to move on. And I remember him saying it. And I, 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 when I speak to Gordon now, all those years ago, I can see a tear in his eye because he didn't want me to go because he was such an honest man who wanted the best for everybody. But he knew he couldn't please David Lee and Colin Todd and he had to make that decision. Um, and I still have the utmost respect for Gordon because he was honest with me. He said, I don't want you to go, but the manager's are manager and he has his plans. So, yeah, you move on to a new
3: chapter in your life. 275 grand, moved to Wigan. Yeah. Good move for you, really, wasn't it? Was, it was, yeah. You
4: yeah. done some good business there, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, um, it just came out of the blue. I think it was uh, Steve... How was it? Oh, Dave No, John Benson rang me. He was a man who was under... Uh, working for Dave Whelan, I said, Dave Whelan wants to meet you at Wigan. Will you go and have a chat with him? So I went and Dave Whelan was great and honest, said, listen, I want you to come here. I want you to work hard. I've seen you play. Um, come and play for me. So I signed. <laughs> as soon as I signed, he went, don't forget you got to wash your own kit. <laughs> like that Love at it. Wigan. <laughs> I thought, that's fair enough. I can look Did after it. Did they have the new ground then? No, still at no, we were still at Springfield Park. The place was run down, but the pitch was immaculate. It was Opposite a decent, to Burnham Park. Yeah, yeah, it was a decent surface. And I had some, uh, I had some good times there, I enjoyed it, really uh, did. Did you sign
3: with the, the Spanish lads, Roberto Martinez? They had, um,
4: Roberto was there, Izzy Diaz and Jesus Saseba was there. Um, I remember John Benson saying they liked Roberto and Jesus a sabre but they weren't they weren't too bothered about Diaz the Spanish player and they wanted me to replace him and, and that's why I signed so I played in the same team as Roberto yeah
3: three years at Wigan some good achievements
4: yeah we got to the uh, one of the cup finals um, at we're Wembley. in it Sunday the Auto Shields trail that's final, the one yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah and, and really it was the build up to the new stadium uh, at Wigan and we had a couple of decent cut runs. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it, but never as much as I did at Bolton. Um, I think once I'd left Bolton, it was no disrespect to Wigan Athletic or whoever I played for after that, but once you'd reached those heights of Bolton and what we'd done, I could never foresee Wigan Athletic getting to that, to that level, and uh, that was probably the start of the the downward spiral to the, towards the end of my career. But I, I gave it everything I possibly could whilst I was there playing.
2: See, when you yeah, left, it's Bournemouth And that's I'm thinking of, of myself, really. I felt my fire went out.
4: I, I totally and, agree, John. And I tried, yeah. and I tried. I know we've had this conversation when you went to Bradford and that. And
2: my heart just wasn't in it. No, and I,
4: I, no. And I, I hate
2: it because it's like, I feel like I cheated uh, yeah, them uh, a yeah, little bit. Yeah, And. I don't probably you think so much of the club you played for, never, now so you don't want it to end.
4: No, that's But it's yeah. such a disappointment it when is, you walk yeah. out the door. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with you, John. Because when I signed for Wigan, it was as if, and again, no disrespect to Wigan Athletic, it, it was a bit of a, a, a backward step rather than a sideward step. And did I lose my mojo for it? I've always been the ultra professional, and I gave everything I could for trading and matches. But deep down in my heart, did I really want to do it there? I tried, but it never seemed to ignite the flames like you spoke about, John, and it, eventually that fire goes out, doesn't it? Who was the manager there who sang it? It was John Dean, who was a manager. He was a fantastic <coughs> man, a lovely man. Um, gave me a lot of belief and I, I did well for him. And then John ended up getting sacked for some reason, I don't know why, and then Ray Mathias took over. Um, and Ray, again, had his different beliefs and different ideas and... I became a bit part player, so I went on loan to Blackpool. And then you knew it was at that stage of your career where you think you try and give it that last go. But like John said earlier, the flame started to go out and and it was time to then think of something different.
3: I'm going to give you this. First two seasons at Wigan, 79 games you played. So you did...
4: Yeah, did okay, yeah. You did? Good, some goals and that.
3: A lot of minutes there, isn't there? Yeah,
4: yeah. And, and do you know what? The lads were brilliant. Had some great lads there. Carl Bradshaw was there, Yorkshire lad who was at Sheffield United. Graham Jones was there. Roberto Martinez was there. Lee Butler, the goalkeeper, was there. Uh, he, uh, Rogers, Paul Rogers, a centre half, was there. So we we had some decent players, and it it was a hard school, um, and we did okay. But again, when you've tasted what we tasted at Bolton we were spoilt really and then like John said it your career started not not my career but the passion for it started to go a little bit because you knew you were never going to achieve what you'd achieved when you played at the level you did at Bolton
2: there was a wee rumour that you met somebody really famous at Wigan
4: yeah do you want me to elaborate on that John or yes we... please I was obviously playing for Wigan Athletic at the time. We were playing Fulham away down at Craven Cottage on a Saturday. Travelled down on the Friday, went to the game on the Saturday, um, met my football hero, Kevin Keegan, who was the manager at the time. So before the game, I knocked on his door and said, would you mind signing my uh, programme for me? And I remember him saying, I will, but make sure you don't score against me today. So he did that for me. Then we played the game. And then at the end of the game, we always did a cool down after the game. So myself and Graham Jones went out after the game to do the cool down. And at the far end of the pitch, I could see Al Fayed. And he was with somebody. And they were giving the gold chocolate bars out from Harry's to his players because they'd beaten us on the game and it was like a, a well done for... he all give him a chocolate bar to give so he'd take them home to the kids and whatever. So we are doing a cool down. I was doing some stretching on the halfway line and uh, I could see fire making a beeline coming across and he's got these two big minders with him and somebody else is walking along with him. And um, I just stood up and um, he went... I- David, I'd like to introduce you. Would you like to meet Michael Jackson?
3: So he knew your name?
4: Yeah. I went, yeah, I'd love to. He went, so Michael came over and he went, hi, David, well battled, great game, and shook my hand. Who, Michael? Michael Jackson. Right, I want to ask, no. Firm grip, soft grip. Firm grip, no glove. Wow. And quick chat about the game, and then he said, listen, he said, I've got to go now, um... There's an unmarked limo outside for me. I'm straight back to, I'm flying back to America, to the to the airport, I've got to go. And this was after the game when all the press and everybody had gone. So anyway, I thought nothing of it. Obviously met Michael Jackson, went back into the dressing room, said to the lads, God, I've just met Michael Jackson, blah, 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 blah. So on the Monday morning, back at Wigan, we were training. And then after training, the secretary, the secretary pulled me and said, oh, You need to ring such a body at the London Telegraph or London newspaper. Um, He wants to speak to you. So I rang him and I can't remember his name. And he said to me, hi, David. He said, "Um," blah, 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 reporter from the game. He said, I was at the game, uh, the Fulham game on the Saturday. He said, I actually got wind of Michael being there, Michael Jackson being there. He said, I stayed in the stadium after the game and took a photograph. Of you and I've got a photograph of you shaking Michael Jackson's hand. Would you like to send me to send it up to you? So I said, yeah. He said, well, it'd be thirty-five quid. I thought I'll have it, so I I had to pay thirty-five pounds, and he sent me the picture up, and I've got it at home, and I've actually got a picture of me shaking Michael Jackson's hand. And
3: what you see in there is the picture.
4: I've got the picture.
2: When he spoke to you about the football, Michael Jackson was he knowledgeable? Did he know no, the game?
3: No,
4: he just said, well, battle. What a great game. I said, yeah. I said, but we lost Michael. He went, yeah, but it was a great game like that. <laughs> <laughs> so he wasn't knowledgeable about it at all, but I had the conversation with him, yeah. Well, not many people can not say that. Not many people did that, no.
3: But no. to have the picture as well, I said Yeah, say. I've still got, got the photograph, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So, we'll, uh... so you went Blackpool all for play a bit. Yeah. And you definitely did. Yeah, I played a few games for Blackpool, yeah. And then got dragged back. Yeah,
4: um, initially I went for a month. Um, when Nigel Worthington was a manager and played a few games. Uh, Brett was playing, Brett Ormond was playing then for, for Blackpool and that. And I think I'd only been there a month and then Nigel left and Mike Davis took over. And then as Mike Davis took over, I got recalled back to Wigan. And I still don't know to this day why I got recalled because... Again, I was only on the bench and a bit part play for Wigan when I went back.
3: Left Wigan, Carl Allen, Morecambe.
4: Yeah, when I was at... To be fair to John Benson, um, when I was at Wigan, I'd done all my coaching badges with a lad called Colin Greenall, um, and I knew I wanted then to get into the coaching side of it. And to be fair to John Benson, he said, listen, if you carry on doing what you're doing, there will be a position here for you at some stage. So I went to uh, Carlisle and Morecambe as a a stopgap, really, waiting for the position to come in at Wigan Athletic under Paul Jewell as a manager. And to be fair to John Benson, he was true to his word. He rang me in the summer and said, listen, there's a position as the under-18s coach. Come for the interview. We know all about you, but let's do the formalities and see if it's for you. And I went back, and uh, that's how I started my coaching career.
3: But I want to pass forward.
4: yeah. I want to know what you're doing now. What am I doing now? I've been away from Bolton Wanderers now for three years. And I set up my own white goods business. As in washing machines, dishwashers, anything for the kitchen. And I started it off as just an opportunity to do something different. And it was a mistake how I got into it. But now... Three years down the line i'm a limited company
3: what you call it? Dids his domestic deals and i love it listen any football fans in the northwest <laughs> you know the man who you want for your white gods don't you there's your details right there oh it's flying across now John. <laughs> thank you yeah and you know
4: what it's a complete change to being in professional football but i you know me and john knows me when i do something i throw myself into it hundred percent and it's took off for me, and now it's a full-time business for me. But I'm out talking to people, meeting people, helping people, doing what I do, and I absolutely love it. I'm going to say this,
2: might be a little bit controversial, because I know how much you're enjoying life now. By the way, you've let yourself go a wee bit as well. (laughs) It's built like a brick house. If you don't mind me saying, you've let yourself go a bit, you're letting yourself down. uh, Sorry, boss. (laughs) But no, I listen. I know how much you're enjoying life, and I know you say you found your niche nowhere else. But honestly, from my heart, I think you're wasted. You're not in football. Right. I really do, yeah. and you know why? Because you're such a good role model. Mm-hmm. You're a good coach. Yeah. You need to be in football for me because there's too many people in football that shouldn't be, and you should be.
4: Yeah, yeah. I do. You know what, John? <clears throat> I enjoy my time at Bolton, and I think looking really deeply at it, I saw all the trials and tribulations of football. And I think, and I I, I won't name names, but I think the people who were at the football club at my time hurt me and damaged me to a point where I didn't deserve the way I was treated. And that's why probably I've, I've been tarnished and I've got that thought of not wanting to get back into football because I've always been an honest person. I've always done everything I possibly can but people treated me in a way that I shouldn't have been treated. And you know who they are. I know who they are. Um, and you always think then, is football the place for me? And it did hurt me and it did damage me. Whether that would ever happen at another football club, who knows. But at the time, it, it did hurt me and I think I was mistreated. but And that and that's not looking for sympathy. That's the way life is. Um you're
2: not the type of person to look for sympathy, David, but, you know, it. and again, I just think it was the wrong owners at the wrong time for you. And and sadly, it's tarnished you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because you you look at it, the way you were treated, like you said, has really affected you. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would be the case now with the way the club's going now and who's at the club now. Yeah. And it's a shame.
4: Yeah, yeah. And again, I suppose it's opportunities, isn't it? Um the opportunities were taken away from me when I was at the football club. So whether those opportunities were, would ever come back with, with a new regime, I don't know. Um, I would never say no to anything, John, because I'm, I'm an open book. I would never say no to anything. So who knows, who knows, but, uh, at the moment I'm enjoying the football. I absolutely not, not sorry. I enjoy being out of football. I love what I'm doing on the white goods side of it. Um, and yeah, let, let's see where life takes us. And you're enjoying your golf. Oh my oh, God. Is. I enjoyed it today up to the, um, when Super John McGinley... Second yeah, playoff. Second playoff. Deservedly hit a cracking We shot. play each
2: other on a regular basis, don't we? We do, mate, yeah. There's never much in it. No. It's, it goes either way. There's does, never yeah. much in it. We always have a great game. Of course game. we do, yeah.
4: Good It's laugh. all nip and tuck, and isn't it. it? Yeah. And Today uh, was magic.
3: It, it was. was. I've had a great day. I'm going to say something now, because before John's rapid 15, David... Bolton have had some amazing players I think you have put a smile on a lot of people's faces yeah. Me being one of them You are the third best player ever to play for Bolton in my eyes <laughs> Thank
4: you I appreciate Just that saying. That's really nice of That's you
3: No, John's 15
2: Tiger Woods or Rory McIlroy? Tiger Woods Tea or coffee? Tea Old or New Wembley? Old Lynx or Parkland Golf? Parkland Favourite golfing holiday destination? Portugal. Burnden Park or the Reebok? Burnden. Open or the Masters?
4: Masters. Best golfing footballer? Lee Dixon slash forward John McGinley. Wow. Riech or Todd? Bruce Rioch. Best golf course played? Uh, wow. Um, Such an hard Tough question. question, but I tell you what, I've loved this one here today. Got to be free. up there. Yeah, definitely. Got to be up there.
2: Best stadium played in? Wembley. Ronaldo or Messi? Ronaldo. Ryder Cup or the Open? Ryder Cup. First result you look for on a Saturday? Bolton Wanderers. Hole and one?
4: Never. But coming soon? Hope so. Brilliant. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Brilliant. Brilliant. No, I enjoyed brilliant, that, no, that. David. Thank brilliant. you very Thank much. No, my up. pleasure. Thanks for asking me back. It's really enjoyed that. No, and we'll definitely have to have a game... Full 18 on here. Definitely. Yeah.
3: Brilliant. No, honestly, lads, it's that's brilliant. Right. I love it. It's been great. it
4: enjoyable. Absolutely. It's been
1: really good. Again, sorry, sorry. you're getting really good at it, lads. Like.